Well, it's, it's my privilege, and I'm excited about today. How many are excited about human life services? You know, I saw a, a clip. They had the, the March for Life in D.C. You know how much news coverage it got? 15 seconds on one network. That was it. Last week we talked about exposing sin, bringing things to light. The reason we do these type of services is to do what everyone else isn't doing, to bring to light what God is doing against what the enemy wants to do. And it's my privilege to welcome the representative from Human Life Services, Lisa Hildebrand. Would you come on up and would you give her a nice do-over welcome this morning? Now we are going to, halfway through, somewhere during her, her uh, ministry, we're gonna receive an offering, and we're also gonna collect the baby bottles that you all, I'm sure, have brought back with you, right? They're not sitting on your counter at home, right? So if, be prepared for that. We have a box, we're gonna collect those, and I'm gonna hand it over to you now, Lisa. Well, good morning. I am so thrilled to be here, um, but I have to tell you, I sort of feel like there's really no need for me to speak, that God has already spoken, and that's just kind of neat to experience here this morning. I want to get everything all set up so I don't drop it all, but um, my as... Uh, Pastor Bender told you, I am Lisa Hildebrand, and I've actually been at Human Life Services for about seven and a half years, and in Pregnancy Resource uh, Center ministry for over 13 years. And I love being there. Um, to tell you a little bit about myself, because most of you don't know me, um, I was born and raised here in York, but then got married at a, at a young age and kind of moved all over the country. My husband was in the Navy, and um, we had three small children, and shortly after uh, the last one was born, my husband was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And he passed away while I still had three little kids. So it was like 18 months and I think four and six years old. And I think partly I was always oriented towards pregnancy centers and towards partnering with God for life. Even as a teenager, I remember just having that burden in my heart. But once I hit that season of my life, um, God just really spoke to my heart and drew me in. And I understood the struggles of single moms and single dads. And I understood why some of them might choose abortion. And I understood the, the crisis that they were facing. Um, and the reality of it was I had a really strong support system. I had great family, I had amazing church friends. We were living in Texas at the time and, and my church friends honestly were almost closer to me than family at that time and uh, their support was incredible. Um, so many of the individuals we work with do not have that. So I get the struggle and um, as we just kind of walk through it all, um, I'm just over and over reminded how good God is. Um, so who is, who is um, Human Life Services? And we can go to that first slide. 
or the second slide actually, um, human life services exist to reach out to men and women in unplanned pregnancy situations to provide medical services, referrals, education in regards to their pregnancies, and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're a life-affirming ministry, which means we don't do abortions or refer for abortions, but we do meet individuals where they're at. And we talk about what, you know, what do you think your options are? What are you going through? What's your story? What kind of obstacles are you dealing with? And then we counsel accordingly. And we counsel on adoption as well. And we counsel on uh, parenting as well. There's a lot of resources out there for parenting. But a lot of people don't realize they're there. They're hard to find. So finding that support is really, really difficult. And adoption is usually the last thing that anyone chooses. Um, they just... There's so many things involved with that, and if you find that hard to believe, just talk to me afterwards, because I won't go into it now, but it's just really, really a hard decision for many of them to make. So why am I here? Why am I here this Sunday, and why do we do this every January? We celebrate the sanctity of human life. Uh, back in 1984, President Reagan declared the third Sunday um, of that year to be a celebration of life um, that is the Sunday that is closest to the Roe v. Wade decision that legalized abortion in America. Um, this year, I think President Trump um, declared Wednesday, which I think was the 22nd, as the day that we would celebrate all of life. But every year it falls right around this third Sunday that we are celebrating life. Um, and why do we do that? Like, in my mind, I'm going, we live in the United States of America. And certainly, we value life here, right? I mean, it's the land of opportunity, and we value life. And as I look at the news, and I look at the world around me, I realize that we actually live in a culture that consistently devalues life. The moral decay alone has introduced more disease, more mental health disorders, and human self-destruction within our culture. Um, but we don't actually recognize it as that because we've redefined it and we have glorified it in many cases. And so I want to share some statistics with you um, that might surprise you a little bit. We're sort of in a sexual revolution of sorts where anything goes. Anything with anybody, as long as you feel good about it, it's okay. And it doesn't matter really what God has to say, because after all, he wants us to be happy, right? And that's kind of the philosophy, and that's, that is pervasive in churches. There's actually a concept out there that many uh, Christian circles have started to use called sexual atheism where you will embrace everything that God teaches in the Bible about helping the poor and being kind to each other and edifying, lifting each other up, and you're going to embrace all the things that he teaches. Um, but when it comes to your choices in relationships, oh, that was written for a long time ago. When life was different, and that's sort of an old-fashioned thought, we don't do that nowadays, and he really wants us to be happy. Or we set our own standards. So it's a whole different thought process when that comes about. But because of that revolution that we're in the middle of, one of the things um, that many people don't realize is sexually transmitted diseases um, are through the roof. And each year, they increased incredibly. There's 20 million new cases of STDs each year. Adolescents make up the 15 to 24-year-olds, actually, account for nearly half of these. So 50% are falling in that age group. 
two in five will have an STD that can cause infertility or even death. Many of those STDs have no symptoms whatsoever. And so individuals assume we have no symptoms, so we're not sick, and they keep going around and infecting each other over and over and over again. And that's what's making some of the rates just go through the roof. Abuse, another way that our culture has devalued life. 20 people are victims of violence by a partner every minute in the United States. So if I speak for 30 minutes this morning, by the time I'm done speaking, 600 people will have experienced abuse by their partners in the United States. That's a lot. That's a huge number. 50% of women will be sexually abused in their lifetime and 20% of males. And teenagers account for 51% of all reported sexual abuse. Now, how sad is that? That's one in two. That's half. And that's a lot. I'm sorry, I said that incorrectly. No, 51% of the reported abuse, not half of the teenagers. Pornography, another way that we have devalued life and devalued women and men and children. 40 million Americans are regular visitors to porn sites. 68% of church-going men and 50% of pastors view porn on a regular basis. Look at the ratings on TV shows, look what's in our movies, look what movies are hitting the box office and becoming hits. I think of Fifty Shades of Grey, which was a big one the other year, and how many people, how much money that netted was just off the charts. Bullying, violence, violence in our, in our shows, in our video games, in our news, sometimes when I come home from work, because we deal with, with a lot of trauma and different crises at work, and I come home from work and I turn the news on to kind of catch up, and I have to turn it off. Because it just is overwhelming to me. It just is emotionally overwhelming to hear what's going on in the news. Abortion, and I could keep picking topics over and over and over again, but abortion, one in four women will have an abortion by the age of 45. 862,320 abortions were performed in the United States in 2017. That's the last year we have national numbers for, just because it takes so long to compile the numbers. From 1973, when Roe v. Wade legalized abortion, to 2017, 61 million abortions occurred in the United States. In that same time, time frame, about 1.72 million in the world. Both of those numbers are very lowball numbers because many countries do not have reporting standards and many states do not report it the same way. That is also one of those things we've sort of redefined a little bit in our culture. In 2019, if you followed the news, now this is probably a bigger deal to some of us because of the work that we do than it is maybe to the average American, but if you've been following the news at all, there's a war over life. There is a war going on around us over life, and it is split by party, by political parties. It is split by states. We have some states who are embracing what they call heartbeat laws, which means if there's a heartbeat, you can no longer abort. Um, we have some cities who are becoming sanctuary cities for babies, where they will not allow abortions within their city limits. 
Um, on the other side, we have individuals who are individual states that are making laws that they intend to put into effect where abortion can be legalized up to the point of birth. Which means if a lady is on her way to the hospital and she is in labor and she decides she can't do this and she doesn't want the child, it can be aborted before it is actually delivered. And I'm not standing in front of you at all in judgment of anyone who's made that as a decision. I just want to say that because when I say one in four women by the age of 45, that statistic is true in the churches as well as the rest of the world. So I know that's a large number in our churches that are sitting in silence and sitting in pain because of something they experienced a long time ago. And I don't intend to do that. I don't want to do that because God is good and he's always ready to forgive and he understands our hurt, he understands our pain, he understands what, what makes us make those kinds of decisions. And it's tough, it's tough what many of these individuals go through. Um, as I look at, um, making sure I know where I'm at, um, as I look at these results of the devaluing of life, I believe I see them in our own lives, I see them in the lives of our family and in the results of the lives of our clients. Um, in our clients' lives, we see everything from poverty, abuse, mental illness, homelessness, lack of education, lack of opportunity, violence. Probably 80% of our individuals have suffered from some type of domestic violence or abuse in their, as part of their history. That's a lot. That is a lot. And not everybody has the same chances to pull themselves out of that life and to turn it around. And that's kind of a bold statement to make. But we, and again, because we live in the United States of America, you think every, it's the land of opportunity. Everybody has those chances and has an equal chance. But that's not true. And I just want to kind of share with you a story of a young lady I ran into recently. Um, I met Jada when she, just like a couple weeks ago, actually she's 16, um, and she was in kind of a shelter lockdown facility that we do some work in. Uh, we go in there to teach what we call sexual integrity, which is how to make good choices, how to make better choices in life. We teach about STDs, we teach about some of the risks that they take. Um, and when I met her, her story is that she was raised in poverty, um, her parents were involved with drugs, and her father is now in jail. Because of her mother's drug addiction, she had a lot of men coming and going from the house to help pay for her drugs, to help pay for her bills, and those men were not safe for Jada to be around. So many times Jada had to go to her grandmother's house, and she was sort of being raised by her grandmother. The grandmother had her own set of health issues. It's, it's tough. We are seeing high, high numbers of grandmothers raising their grandkids now all around us in, in all walks of life that is happening. And so this grandmother had her own set of health issues. She had a very limited income, so she really couldn't provide for Jada the way Jada needed provided for, and she also couldn't give her the direction in life, the care, the protection, the direction, the guidance that she needed. Um, and so as Jada was living in this world where pretty much every adult who was supposed to take care of her and every adult who was supposed to protect her did not. All right, they failed her. Um, she met a guy, and he was older than she was, and he lavished her with gifts, 
and with opportunities and with attention and told her she could be anything she wanted to be and he loved her. And next thing she knew, she found herself in situations she could not extract herself out of and didn't want to be there. And one of the caseworkers at school kind of got wind that something was amiss. And as they investigated what was going on, they discovered she was being groomed for sex trafficking. Now, I don't know if you know that Pennsylvania is number 11 on the list for sex trafficking. Um, York and Harrisburg are considered, Harrisburg especially, is considered a hub because of the access that it has to all the different highways that run through this area and the quick exits and those kinds of things and the trucking industry and I could go on and on. Route 30, there are known spots that are known as hubs here in York. Um, and it's, it's tied very much directly with the whole opioid um, crisis that we're experiencing here in York and in this area as well and in our country. Jada was a part of all of that. She just found herself mixed up in it and it was very dangerous and she couldn't get herself out of it and they extracted her from that. So she's in this facility for her own safety and she's very angry. She's angry, she's constantly in fights, she has a lot of trouble just adjusting to a normal relationship and, and having people accept her and so forth. And her next stop is likely going to be another facility where she'll spend as much time as she can until she gets into trouble and gets kicked out of that one um, because there's not going to be a foster home for someone with her issues and with the anger problems that she has. So at a very young age, she's going to be thrown into a facility where she's likely going to encounter other kids who have the same problems, who are going to treat her out of those anger issues and that bitterness and the, the crises that they've experienced and the abuse that they've experienced and she may be abused or bullied or harassed by other students or by other staff. So for Jada, at 16 years old, how do you get out of that? You have no money, you can't drive, you don't have a car, you have no place to go and there's not a single relative in your corner and the majority of the adults that were supposed to help you failed. So Jada doesn't have the same opportunities that many of us have. And, and we find that so many that we encounter are in that same position where they just don't have that same support system. And, and some of us are spoiled and we take that support system for granted. Um, let's go ahead and go to the next side. Yes, so you're already up there. Good. So in a world where we see this abuse and the porn and the, the sexual misuse and violence and all of that, we have a God who loves life. And the cool thing about that God who loves life is that he loved us while we were still sinners. He loved us before the foundation of the earth. He loved us while we were still enemies. That's what scripture tells us. And we see that in Romans 5. That's just one, one verse that I pulled out. But he loved us even without us going, oh, if you love us, we'll love you. He loves us just as we are while we were still sinners. And he made a way for us to come back to him. And the cool thing with that um, is that means he loves Jada. That means he loves Jada. 
We often encounter these individuals where their life situations just seem impossible and it seems like they just don't have a chance and then we step back and we go, but then there's God. And with God, all things are possible. Um, 1 Peter 1.20 says that he loved us before the foundations of the world and he made the way of salvation. He planned for his son to die on the cross before the foundation of the world was laid. How phenomenal is that? That's how much he loved you and I. I want to read a couple of verses to you before we go uh, too far about our creator, just so that you can kind of catch his heart and how amazing he is. Um, Colossians 1.16 says, For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. How many things? All things, absolutely everything, you have been created. Jada has been created by him. Genesis 1, 26 to 28 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over the, all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So who did God make in his image? Us. We are the only part of creation that our image bears. You know how incredibly special that is? Like, there's a lot of unique things out there. Snowflakes are unique. Tears are unique. Um, they, they all have their own little structure and um, are very special. And yet, you bear God's image. And you're the only part of creation that he made that way. Do you wonder why he, you're so precious to him? And why he would make those plans before the very foundation of the earth? And he gave you a job to do. He, he created you with a purpose and what you're supposed to do while you're here on the earth, you're supposed to be taking care of the earth and, and subduing it and ruling over it and nurturing it. And in Acts 17, it actually tells us that he, he ordained our habitats, which I think is kind of cool. Like he knew exactly where I would be and where I would exist, and that was part of his plan. And there are days when that really, really excites me. And then there are days when I go, Lord, I think we need to talk about the habitat today. Um, because maybe I'm a little frustrated, but, but God picked where we would live. He knew where we would be born. He never intended for sin to desecrate it and make it difficult and to destroy it and to devalue it the way that it has done. Isaiah 40, 26 says, Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these stars, the one who leads forth their host by number. He calls them all by name. Because of the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, not one of them is missing. And Revelations 4.11 says, Worthy are you, our Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and because of your will they existed and were created. Who can question our God? He created all things, and he created you in his image, and he loved you so much that even if you're sitting here today going, yeah, I'm not even believing in him, 
or I don't want to follow him, and I don't want to do what he says. He loves you, and he still wants that relationship with you. I want to look a little bit at Psalms 139. Um, so if you, if you have your Bibles and want to follow along, you can turn to Psalms 139. Um, I, I always feel like we would be remiss at this time of year if we didn't look at Psalms 139 because it's a precious verse about how your creator feels about you. I'm going to start with verse 1. Psalms 139 says, O Lord, and I'm reading from the NAS, so some of the words might be a little bit different. I always intend to pick up a Bible on my way up here, and I never do that. But So Psalms 139 says, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou dost know when I sit down and when I rise up. Thou dost understand my thoughts from afar. Thou dost scrutinize my path and my lying down and art intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there is a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, thou dost know it all. That's a little scary, isn't it? Um, thou hast enclosed me before and behind, and laid thy hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high, I cannot attain to it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from thy presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there thy hand will lead me, and thy right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me, and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to thee. And the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to thee. There is no place that you can ever reside that is too dark, that God cannot see what's going on, that he cannot see where you are, that he cannot put his hand on you to comfort you, to guide you, to lead you to whatever you need. For thou didst form my inward parts, Thou didst weave me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are thy works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from thee when I was made in secret, and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Thine eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in thy book they were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not even one of them. That means before you were ever conceived, before you were ever a twinkle in your parents' eyes, before the foundation of the earth, he knew the number of your days and how long you would be here on earth, where you would be, and what your name was going to be. And there's other scriptures that I could have pulled to, to refer to that, but is that not incredible? He loves you. I love that song this morning. He loves you, and his heart is for you. Um, verse 17 says, How precious also are thy thoughts to me, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. He thinks about you more than the number of the sand. Now, if we just look at the little stones in these containers around here, which I love the way these look. 
Um, sand is smaller. And if you've ever sat on a beach and just run it through your hands, for as much sand as you can see, there's tons more beneath it, and there's tons more in the ocean, and there's tons more around the world. And his thoughts towards you outnumber the sands. Is there any doubt that he loves you? If you don't believe at this point that you're a miracle, then I'm going to try to show it to you physically, all right? Um, we're going to go to the next slide, but just like the very first line. Um, I had a, every now and then God sort of, and just keep it there for, for a minute, um, God sort of throws these questions into my mind. I, I'm blaming him because I don't have answers and it's not easy to get the answers, but it's things I think sometimes that he just wants me to think about. But sometimes, a lot of times, they're math-oriented, and, and I, I have no math ability whatsoever. Um, I'm not a math person, so if you're sitting out there and you're a math person, I have to tell you before I start this, please bear with me. Um, but the thought came to me that what's the probability that the one egg and the one sperm that needed to reunite to make you you, because you're unique, what's the probability that that would happen and that you would be created at this time, at this place in history? So as I started to look at that number, I had to kind of look a few things up. And did you know that all of the eggs a female will ever have, I hope it's okay to do a small biology lesson here, okay? Um, all of the eggs that a female will ever have are present inside of her at 16 weeks gestation. So while she's still inside her mother's womb. So if you are a female, and you have children, the egg that made your children was inside of you while you were inside your mother. Kind of cool, right? When you were just 16 weeks. For each one of you, what that means is the egg that made you was inside your mother while she was in your grandmother. A small part of you was inside your grandmother. Isn't that cool? And pardon me a moment. I have allergies that sometimes just get out of control. Um, okay, so that's enough to wow you right there, right? I probably don't need to go any further, but that's a cool thing to realize. But So basically, the female is born with about 2 million eggs. All right, that's what medicine tells us. 11,000 die every month before puberty. So about 1,320,000 die before puberty is over. So ultimately, after puberty, there are about 300,000 eggs left. All right, so obviously that's different for everybody because everybody goes through puberty at different ages and, and all that kind of stuff. So we're just going to kind of keep the numbers on the average. That's what we're going to use. One egg is released per cycle, sometimes two, and 1,000 eggs die per cycle. So one is released, a thousand die, all right? That's part one of this equation. Part two isn't really any simpler, all right? Is the male, all right? So the male produces about 525 billion sperm in a lifetime. So he loses about one billion per month. And with each intimate interaction, um, he can release between 40 million and 1.2 billion each time. 
So obviously that's a number that keeps moving. And for everybody, again, it's going to be a little bit different. So I called my friend because this math is beyond me. Um, and not only that, when I attempted to try the math, my calculator didn't go that high. Um, I have one of those big calculators with the big buttons and all I need is add, subtract, multiply, divide. That's really the extent of it. Um, so I called her and I said, is this something we can calculate? And she told me that her calculator handles the big numbers. And so she calculated it out to find the probability, if we keep it very simple, I said, let's just keep it simple. So we're going to go with the average 300,000 eggs available and 525 billion sperm available. Just for one of knowing what other numbers to use, those are the two that we're going to use. Um, and this is what she got. Let's do just the next line. She got 6.35 times 10 to the negative 17th. Or, that basically means 16 zeros before the number, 0.0000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000000
loving us the way you do and having a definite plan for each one of our lives. None of us are an accident. None of us are here by coincidence. Every one of us has been planned and determined and predisposed by you to do great things for the kingdom of God. So Lord, I pray as we receive these offerings that you would multiply them, allow them to be used to greatly expand your kingdom, allow the human life services to not only offer their great services, but to continue to introduce people to Jesus, which is ultimately the mission that each one of us have. So Lord, bless these offerings, bless the giver, and allow great things to happen because of our faithfulness to you in giving. In Jesus' name, amen. While they're walking around, I'm going to continue and, and wrap up here. But at Human Life Services, you know, we value life because God values life. And because we love him and we want to follow him, that's why we do it. We don't do it because everybody we serve is lovable. <laughs> that gets really tough. You all live in families and you all go to work and you know not everybody around you is lovable. But we do what we do because we love God. So what is God doing, and how does he do that at Human Life Services? We can go to the next slide. Um, at Human Life Services, we offer pregnancy testing and ultrasounds. All of our services are free. Um, we offer prenatal education and parenting education. Uh, we do material assistance so that they can get things that they need for their babies. We do a lot of community referrals because while they come to us, and God has called us to handle this one tiny little area called pregnancy, and to minister in that way, the needs are so much bigger. So we partner with tons of other agencies in the area to get them the help that they need. We connect them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, God is just so good um, in the way that he provides. Um, I'm sorry, I'm flipping my pages and losing track of where I'm at. Um, Okay, because we value all lives, we don't just focus on the life of that baby. We learned a long time ago that that family and that mom and that dad and the siblings and the cousins and the and, you know, grandparents, whoever's involved is significant and important to God. And in working with Jada, that's sort of our preventive side of what we do, where we're teaching how to make good choices and we're teaching God's values for life and relationships. And so when we're reaching out to do that, we're doing that because God values those things and God values those people. Um, we also have a post-abortion recovery class. We have a new one that is getting ready to start the end of February, beginning of March. So if you know anyone who would benefit from that, it's, a, it's just one of the most amazing healing parts of our ministry. Um, God is good and he is ready to forgive. Psalms 86.5 tells us that and that is what we teach. That is what we share during that time with those, with those ladies and with men. We've even had men coming through. Um, because we value all lives at Human Life Services, this year at Human Life Services, we saw seven babies saved. Those were babies to moms and dads that had abortions scheduled, who were determined that was what they had to do. Um, and we were able to meet with them and give them information that they needed so that they felt like they could make a different choice. Um, a couple of those actually were making adoption plans and some of them were parenting. 39 individuals who were vulnerable to abortion by life circumstances 
um, made choices for life and we were able to come alongside of them and give them the support structures that they did not have before. 64 individuals went through our prenatal and infant prep classes, 19 went through our infant care one and two classes, 46 went through our toddler parenting or fatherhood classes. We work with a lot of dads um, and we have some male advocates who come in and work with them which is also very cool. We held 1,007 educational sessions for approximately 106 individuals this year. Um, these individual sessions really helped to affirm a lot of things in those individuals' lives. First and foremost, the value of life, um, what it means to be good parents and care for their children, but then thirdly, too, their view of God is impacted. In those educational sessions, we had 146 spiritual discussions with clients. And then here's a number for you. We had 666 prayers with clients last year. Um, 29 official gospel presentations and 14 discipleship sessions. Many individuals were blessed with material assistance for their babies. We held 1,135 total appointments for about 206 clients. We provided 81 pregnancy tests for, an, I'm sorry, and 101 ultrasounds. Three ladies participated in post-abortion recovery, and we handed out approximately, here's another good number for you, 3,696 individual diapers last year. Um, so God is good, and his love runs deep, and his care for our clients runs very deep. So what else is God doing? We are currently exploring adding uh, STD testing to our services. Um, it's going to take us a while. Um, but pray with us as we explore how that would look, how we would cover the cost of doing that. Um, our goal with that program would be to reach at-risk individuals who are at risk for unplanned pregnancy, at risk for disease, and prevent those crises from happening. So um, that would be part of why we would do that. Um, the other thing that has been really cool in the last couple of years, we've been able to partner with a health uh, center in the area to participate in abortion pill reversal. So for an individual who has started the medical abortion, which is the pills, what happens frequently is they take that first pill and they start to second guess whether they should do that. And they're upset, they're in crisis, they're wanting to know if there's any way to stop the effects of that pill. And so there is a way, there is a treatment that they can, um, can get that helps to reverse that. It's about 68% um, effective. And so it's been a really good option for many people who, who just regretted that decision. So this year in the fall, we were actually approved to begin doing the treatments at Human Life Services. So the cool thing now, they can refer individuals straight to us and we can help them do that. The Friday after Christmas, I believe it was the 27th, uh, we got a phone call in the evening that there was a, a lady who had started the abortion pill process five hours before, her, before we got the call. Um, she was in tears, she was upset, she was crying, she was going, I didn't want to do this. Um, I just felt like I had no options. Is there anything you can do to help me? And so our nurse and our director went in and met them at the center, and we were able to start the reversal process that evening for her. The last ultrasound that we did for her showed that it was still a viable pregnancy with twins. Yeah. So there's two little babies now that have that opportunity at, for life um, because their mother reached out to do that. So it's really kind of cool. She does not live in this area, so she's going to be under the care of a physician near her home. Um, 
And so pray with, for her. If you think about her, pray for her. Um, we just find ourselves turning around so many times and going, yay, God. Because what we think isn't possible, he already knows about and is already possible for him. So because all lives are precious and we love God, that is why we do what we do. Um, so how can you partner with us for Christ, um, I mean, for life? And there's many, many different ways. Your church has been very strong partners with us, and we just thank you for that. And I know we've had speakers here before. You've done, um, you know, you've financially supported us, prayerfully support us, and, and we just are so thankful for that. But there's many opportunities up there on, on the list um, to volunteer. We have two part-time positions open currently. Um, if you need information about those, you can ask me about those later. Um, but um, the biggest thing that you can do with Christ for life, though, is ask him where he's placed you, what does he want you to do? And to reveal to you maybe areas where you're devaluing life or you are not valuing it. Because maybe it's with older people you work with. Maybe it's with your family. Maybe it's with your neighbors or your children or people at work, you know, where you can can just embrace that that's where God's placed you, that's where your ministry is, and he wants you to value life right where you are because every single stage, every single season is valuable to him. Um, we just want to thank you for um, standing with God for life, and I thank you for letting me share this morning what he's up to. I'd like to close by having Lisa come now. We're going to pray for you, if that's okay. And we pray for her. We're also praying for the whole organization. So I'm going to ask her to stand right in the center and right over here. And then all of you, I would appreciate all of you can come around and surround her. Lay your hands on her or just put your hands forward. Because I mentioned before, this is a spiritual battle. And we need God's spirit to break the evil that's going on. And they're doing a wonderful job, but they need our protection. They need God's hand upon their organization. Because left alone, the enemy will win. And we've got to keep praying for them. The financial support's necessary. The work is necessary. But the spiritual aspect of this is of paramount importance. So let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for allowing us to be just a small part of what you're doing in this community. We thank you for the great leadership and the great volunteers and workers that they have at Human Life Services that reach out to, to offer life to the people that walk through their doors. We thank you for this lighthouse in the, in the midst of darkness that's throughout this city and through every city. Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit will protect them. I pray, as we heard in the video, that you will continue to do miracles in their life to redeem what the enemy meant for evil, allow them to surround themselves with powerful, powerful prayer warriors to guard them and shield them and protect them from what the enemy wants to do. And I pray that their mission continues to grow. More and more people are led to Christ because of what you're doing through this organization. Bless those who, who work there, who volunteer there. Allow them, Lord, to feel your protection. Allow them to have you protect them in their work and in their environment, in their homes. Allow them to continue to do what you've called them to do. And for us as a church, Lord, we continue to pray for them and lift them up and pray your, pray your protection upon them and allow them to operate under the Spirit of God to reach many, many people with the love and the power of the gospel of Christ. Father, we thank you again for allowing us to hear what's happening on the front lines 
and allowing us to be just a small part of what you are doing in this community. Use what we've allowed to, we were raised this morning, multiply it. God, do great things through our, through our small offering. And we trust you, you'll get the glory and people will hear about Jesus because of what you do. Thank you for their faithfulness and thank you for allowing us to be a part of it. Now, Lord, I commit this organization to you. It's your organization, Lord. We just pray your power, your spirit, your provision, everything that's needed for this to succeed. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Would you give the Lord a praise offering this morning? Thank you very much, Lisa, for coming. We appreciate it. It was great.